everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast today is Rui Paiva, CEO of We Do Technologies. So my last job was being the CIO of a telco company. And one of the things that we faced at that time was we have the main building blocks, which are typically the ERP, the billing system, the CRM. Those are the, the main ones. But all the additional tools that are in the middle of that, normally they had to be developed from scratch in each of the implementations, in each of the operators. And for that, that takes time. And more than that, each customer, each solution, and that means the cost of maintaining and support and evolve all of that was a nightmare. We create a technology, which in our case is RAID, with a specific solution to validate all the integration between different applications and guarantee that the customer at the end of the day, they were not losing money, which is great in a way that uh, without having more sales and being efficient, it could just improve the bottom line directly. This is Rui. Prior to co-founding WeDo Technologies in 2001, he was the Systems Information Director and the Deputy at Optimus Communications Executive Committee. Before that, Rui was the Consulting Director at Hewlett Packard Portugal, following a career at Telesel, which then became Vodafone Portugal, heading up their infrastructure, operations and help desk department. In 2010, Rui won the Best Leaders Award for WeDo Technologies, and in 2017, he received the Tech Personality of the Year Award by Exam Informatica. He's an experienced board member with a demonstrated history of working in the information technology and services industry. He's a strong business development professional skilled in business process, marketing management, negotiation, business planning, and requirements analysis. He holds a postgraduate degree in management and administration from the University Nova de Lisboa as well as a Bachelor in Science in Applied Mathematics. The potential behind the problem we do is solving triggered me. Hence, I invited Rui to my podcast. We explore the growing challenges companies in the telco industry face around revenue leakage and fraud and how their platform approach is enabling the business to stay in control. We also explore the magic behind Rido's ability to constantly stay relevant as a business software vendor in an industry that's changing at the speed of light. By listening to this podcast interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, how to stay relevant with a platform approach, both in terms of its ability to meet constantly evolving industry requirements, as well as being industry agnostic to scale out. Secondly, why a customer cooperation strategy is a very effective approach to win the hearts of 80% of the market and never lose a customer ever. And thirdly, what are the eight secrets for a software business to stay as relevant and as fresh as the moment you were founded? In WeDo's case, 18 years ago. So Rui, thank you very much for joining my podcast and making the time available for this in your busy schedule. Before we start, 
It's always interesting for my audience to understand a little bit more personal things about you. So what drives you as a person and yeah, and how do you connect that to business? So, but in fact, I've worked during my, my career, I'd work either on the customer side and or on the supplier side. So I used to work for mainly for telecom companies within the IT, ITIS area. And then also on um, other, other hardware of, uh, or software vendors. And I had to decide either, either to be customer or supplier. And having the two experiences, I just decided to be on the supplier side, mainly because of the, the creation part, innovation part that we have within the, the supplier side, because we need to, to create something to convince and to sell to, to the customers. So uh, having the two experiences, I decided after, um, after um, some years to, to go this path. And um, so we just created this company in 2001. And um, because we were telco background experience guys, IT and mathematicians, so we, we have decided to, to focus our business on, on telco. So that's why our, our offers, our things comes from the tackle angle. So the things that we have, in fact, they, the problems, they exist also on all the industries. But in fact, we have the expertise on the telco angle. So we just combine the two things, the IT's knowledge and the telco knowledge. And we try to create uh, specific solutions for specific problems within, within telco. That's a wise choice. I admire you for, for keeping the focus on, on the telco, telco industry, especially if the problem is more universal. So what are the typical problems in the telco industry? And is there one that, you, that inspires you specifically? Well, there are so many problems in, in telco like in other industries. So my last job was being the CIO of a telco company. And one of the things that we faced at that time was we have the main building blocks, which are typically the ERP, the billing system, the CRM. Those are the, the main ones. But all the additional tools that are in the middle of that, normally they had to be developed from scratch in each of the implementations, in each of the operators. And for that, that takes time. And more than that, each customer each solution, and that means the cost of maintaining and support and evolve all of that was a nightmare. So our main idea since day one was, let's look into those things that are in the middle, that are the glue of those three main building blocks, and let's try to prioritize them, first thing. And second was, let's try to have them in a comfortable way where the business can change the things without having the IT guys to do code each time. So that was the main thing. And that's why we can come up with specific things for telco, things like roaming management, things like incentives management, collections, because those were three of the main areas that we were um, facing a lot of problems. So meanwhile, when we just launched the company and when we start with the first customer, we were requested by the customer, not because we created the idea, it was driven by the customer. They asked us why not to create another system that could validate the whole integration between the different applications and guarantee that across all, all those applications, 
the customer were not losing data that could be, impact the revenues of the company. Okay. And that's why we come up with this concept. At that time, named revenue insurance. Now it's a common thing. And so we create a technology, which named, in our case is RAID, with a specific solution to validate all the integration between different applications and guarantee that the customer, at the end of the day, they were not losing money, which is great in a way that uh, without having more sales and being efficient, you could just improve the bottom line directly. Exactly. So that's your rate product, and I've read about it. It was an interesting quote in one of your press releases. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was talking about, well, the loss that the telco industry is suffering from, typically driven by fraud, is 29 billion per year. It's like an amazing amount. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's the part that comes from fraud. The yeah. other part that comes from revenue insurance, which is not fraud, but is leakages, also an enormous quantity of money. And so the two combined, they could represent big portion of money that could be improved into the bottom line just by solving problems without having the need to sell a lot more. Exactly. That was our main trend. But in fact, that that applies to all the industries because you can have also this on, on the airline industry or the finance industry. Or True. That's that's a common problem to all, to all of them. That, that's true. So, so when, in developing the rate product, that's, that's a couple of years ago that you started with that. I mean, I see that, for example, Gardner is calling you a named vendor to watch and is yeah, talking a little bit about you know, your capabilities around artificial intelligence and machine learning and these type of technologies. Mm-hmm. How are these technologies kind of creating yeah, fundamental value in, in your solutions? And would what you're doing today, would it be possible with a traditional approach? Well, you know that in our case, all our solutions are based since day one on, on the data. And because we are looking into trends within the data and trying to find what were the leakages coming from that data. So, and we had to apply lots of techniques since day one to look into the data. At the beginning, we were a lot more on the basic side of doing queries on top of a databases. And with the technology evolving, we were a lot more related to those new techniques related to machine learning or AI. So it's part of our nature. I can tell you that it's a trend for us or it's a thing that we want to step in because that's our base. They were not known as that name at that time, but we were already working with, with those techniques. So that's why in our case, we have part of the techniques that we use with, with our own software, with our own, own techniques, but also now with the, with the technology evolving, either we interact with some of the providers that brings some of our APIs that could be linked into our tools, or in some of the cases, we are also using those techniques from the customers. That means we are kind of bring your machine learning or bring your AI, into our platforms and we we use our technology and they and we embed their own thing into our technology yeah at the end of, of course it, sometimes it starts so especially with the larger telcos they have they have their it departments and it starts as a prototype and then it moves on and and, the, and the it companies they are they are they are technology companies so they are they are, they are quite 
knowledgeable on those techniques because they, they provide technology, they live on technology. So it's very important that part of the things that comes from them and we need to, and one of the things that we see this is being a community where we are the software vendors, the drivers of the software and the technology, but also looking to them and see what are the things come from them because they have one key unique thing, which is customers and data. And we have then the technology. So if we can apply that data across the technology, of course, we will have better solutions for both of them. Exactly. So are, are there many different angles that you have to kind of look for with regards to either fraud detection, fraud prevention, or uh, revenue assurance? Uh-huh. What are examples of that? I mean, where does that typically happen most? Oh, that's the kind of thing. So if it is on revenue assurance, it's quite, quite more stable in a way that it's more relating to the, the company processes. Uh-huh. And we are looking into first, what are the processes? And within those processes, if they are doing the things accordingly with their expectations. So it's, I would say that is, this is a lot more stable unless you are changing process of the company each time. When we are talking about fraud, it's completely the opposite. It's a short thing. You do fraud once while you are not catched. If you are catched, we have to do another fraud because you need to start, again, looking into another way. Yeah, the, those, those leakages I make that fraud money. So on the fraud side, it's completely opposite. So we have, in fact, to look into all the trends. Each year, I will say that we killed part of the solutions that we had in the past because that fraud either don't exist anymore or it's stable and we just maintain and we have to look into the new things and we have to create new solutions. So are two different worlds that... I can imagine that is the case. Let me make a small interruption here. Redo is doing a fabulous job to keep their product strategy fresh. And this is just an example of this. You'll hear more strategies from Ruby in the remainder of this interview. However, if you want to get some fresh product strategy guidance on how you can turn your software business into a remarkable one, just drop me a note at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. And especially on the fraud side, indeed, you have to fight the attacks, so to say, and these are much more unplanned, deliberately unplanned. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I was, what, curious, what makes me curious is that I mean, Gartner named you as a vendor to watch. What, what was their main criteria for that? What, what did they see? Well, I think it, I think that is based on, on the type of technology that we are using, but also it's, it's also based on the customers that we have, the, the customer base that we have, and the, the problems that we have solved ourselves or together with them. And so it's the combination of the things. Normally what they do is they, they browse our solutions, they look into our roadmaps and again they talk with the customers so and it seems that we are one of the, the companies that are on the on the top front of the of the technology you to tell you that uh, we invest a lot each year and in looking into into patterns and solutions that could solve those new things so that means we kind of have a major release and being you on on the software business you know that so we have a kind of a major release, release each two years. And within the two years, we have normally two, three minor releases along the years. So it's a lot of investment, a lot of new technologies. And, and again, now with the, with the new trends, we are not, we're not just doing things 
on the typical on-prem thing where you expect to have one version that is stable along the period, but we are also doing the cloud thing where some of the things with those new DevOps technologies, we are not only doing the, the, the long-term, but also some of the short-terms are short, short, short in the way that we have micro versions that could be guided into some of the new further things that could, could map could come up exactly. next day. It's almost like the virus, the virus detection software yeah, that we yeah, had in the past. And this is one of the discussions that we had internally that is, this is a lot more tied to the security business. Normally, we look into the security business a lot more on the IT side, and we have to look that also on the telecom side because now the telco switches that used to be boxes, now they are software-based. And so the, the same problems that could occur within the IT world, now it's also, it also comes into the telecom world. So the things are more on the same path, on the same way, and we are kind of a converging the, the two worlds. Yeah. So, so in, what interests me from the, the evolution that your solution made, what do you believe has been the one or, or the, the top three things that, that have yeah, made your solution what it is today? What is differentiating about it? About, about what about our competitors were saying? No, no, what you're doing. I mean, what, what do you believe were the, the milestones or the, the magic moments on your, on your roadmap that's where your solution really got into well, the, the area? The way that we did the solution, we, in fact, we created a platform. If we were, you being on, on, the, on the ERP world, uh, let me tell that we kind of could compare this with, with a IRP platform. Well, we have, we have let's say, a backend, which is a common backend that does the typical stuff that integrates data, tweets data. And then you have, on top of that, we have different modules to tackle different things. And those could be, in our case, they are 100% comfortable. That means you don't need code. It's a low-code thing where you just can adapt or configure the modules according with the specific need that means either the process or the type of fraud without having the need to do code. So that's that's the thing that we have kind of a unique. So it's a end-to-end platform, low code based and 100% based on configuration. That's okay. the key thing. Makes sense. Just one, one thing. That means that the modules that we have configured specific for telco, because we know the, the telco world quite well, but being agnostic in a way that this is a platform, they can, can be configured to do other type of industries. And we have some examples because we try that just to validate how, how agnostic is the platform, how, how open is the platform. And we are doing also projects for revenue insurance for utilities companies, healthcare companies, insurance companies, exactly using the same, same, same platform. Just different configurations, nothing more. So if it's so universal, why don't you kind of diversify and go as a, as a vertical player into more, more verticals at the same time? What, what, is, what has been your choice to kind of stick with telcos? Because point one, you need money for that. Because now we have 600 people that have the full knowledge of the market. They know the customers. So that means to replicate that in a different industry, you have to scale the company in a way that at the beginning, 
it's difficult for you to extract money because you have to convince the customers that you are the best in the market until the moment that uh, you can spend. So for that, we need investment. So could be something that we need to get if you want to be on the different markets. And the other thing is, if we have to go into a different market, we need to choose what will be then the next one. And it seems that to scale the things, you have to have a market with a lot of customers. And if we look into telcos, normally you have two, three telco companies per country. Exactly. Um, if you go imagine the other vertical could be utilities. You have one or two power companies, one or two water companies, and going to be the same thing. Short, if you go to healthcare, well, there are a lot more hospitals, pharmaceuticals, clinics, and everything that could be one. But again, we don't know how to configure that, that the systems into that market that we need to prepare ourselves. So I will tell you that, yes, I'm quite sure that we're going to do that step, but that will be for the next round of financing where we need to have the money enough to start in a scale that we could be known since day one and not being a kind of a startup again on, on a different vertical. Understand that that's uh, that's wise learning at the end. Yeah, a lot of companies just go wide and not deep enough, and you have decided to go deep and, and, st- and stick and to what you know, uh, And you to know, I don't know if that will be one of the questions during this um, podcast. We have now customers in more than one hundred and ten countries. Okay, which is quite impressive because that means that we are well well known in the market. And if you go into any telco company and uh, if you ask for the top three remember companies on revenue insurance or fraud, our company will will come up. Yeah, I can imagine. That's a key thing. So uh, if we want to go into a different market, we we have to start at least on the the bottom of those top three companies on the mind of the decision makers. Yeah, well, that, that's what, well, it's, one of, it's not one of the questions I would ask, but I mean, the, I can understand that if you have only have two, three telco companies in a country, that the only way to expand is, is to go international, of course. So what intrigues me is, since you've been in the, in the market for a while, and you've started to sell the rate platform as, a, as more of an intelligence platform to uncover fraud, but also the revenue assurance, what have you learned in selling this? Is this something that was, that came natural to customers? Is this something that they are seeing as ad- very advanced and therefore possibly high risk? Mm-hmm. So like I told you, uh, we are selling into a vertical that is a technology vertical. Yeah. Uh, where the telco operators, they, they need technology to exist. We are not talking about tourism, for instance. So on, on this, that we have within the customer teams, a lot of people with a lot of expertise, that they have created their own solutions. The problem for them then is to, to evolve those because those are tied to specific group of people that one day they leave the company and they have the kind of the mushroom that needs to be picked up for another group of people. But in fact, if, we, if you look into our coverage of the space, I will tell you that our number one competitor is itself the own customers, where they have their own platforms. And, and then the point for them is either they need to evolve that and they have the expertise to evolve, or they go into a supplier or a vendor that could do, do that for them. And that's why it comes this thing, which is we are now looking into a way 
where we cooperate with them with this type of techniques where bring your own technology into our technology. That's that's one of the trends. The other one, it's also this new movement of instead of having their own platforms using things based on the cloud that could evolve all the time and they could be updated all the time. And then the other thing will be a lot more related of, of, with the type of problems that we are tackling. And if you, if you talk then about fraud, being fraud, a different type of fraud, each, almost each day, it's almost impossible for a company to have a bench of people that could cover all the problems within, within this type of things. Sure. Where for them makes sense to have a, a group of people that could solve, I will say, 80% problem problems, and the next 20% that, that are different each day, and they need to be solved by another one. And that's why we can be the, the partners for them and being the one complementing that all the time. So and there are no recipes, in fact. It's a combination of uh, the best of breeds of vendors and customers. And we are adapting, adapting ourselves into that and creating new, mod- new models of, of doing the business. And uh, in fact, I do see us a lot more cooperating with the customers. That means some of the things that will be embedded in our technology will come definitely from customers. And we will be the ones then maintaining and evolving that instead of having them doing that because they have no size and they have to operate the things that they have because that's their main goal. Interesting. Yeah. One of the one of the things that since you have existed since 2001, which is 18 years by now, a lot of a lot of things have of course changed in the industry, particularly of course with cloud technology and with the latest disruptive technologies that are out there. So what is what do you see as your secret or what have you learned from kind of staying relevant in this industry over 18 years? What have you done differently or I think it's it's in fact it's not related to the technology that thing. We were kind of a unique company that were, we, so we, the, the founders of the company, we were coming from, from a big companies, multinational companies, with the knowledge in how to work on an organized world that could scale. And um, when we decided to create this company, in fact, we have spent almost nine months just creating on paper the company and the tools to, to create the company. So that means on day one, and we just, we did this more or less uh, one year prior to the company. When we start the company, we, we had the company already planned, organized in how to be a software company, global, with presence in, in different countries. So that means when we have stopped then the company, we, we have solved, part of the problems that normally destroys the companies on the first three. So we had that thing solved in advance. That means on the first three years, instead of trying to solve the day-by-day problems, we were just looking into customers and people. And then we, we were able to grow, get the scale. And then with the scale, all the things are a lot more easy. That, I think that was the main learning. The other learning was and that, that's very typical in, in some of the companies. And, and we coming from Portugal, being Latins, I think it's 
the worst combination of that is that normally the companies are managed by by exceptions because with exceptions we solve the things on the short term but for the long term you create a nightmare so in our case that that was on day one one of the rules of the company was to not accept exceptions so all the things must be within a rule or within a procedure and if an exception is needed we need to look into that exception and convert that exception into a rule or into a, a procedure and open that into all of us so with that we have all the things normalized open transparent and then you have time to to do the thing that is needed which is to do in the market being the market selling and taking care of the people makes sense and i agree with you it's thinking about the long term rather than catching up on everything that happens on the short term because that's too, that's simply too much and that's what you've done in an interesting way, kind of with the vertical focus, with your vision, and also how you started the company. That's interesting. So, so from from where you are now, what have you been most proud of delivering with your with your solution? Is there any anecdotes that that way you say this is this is a story that's remarkable? I think we are. What we are not more proud is that along the years we reach. I'm going to be this year. I'm going to reach one billion dollars on sales. Well, which is which is a nice number, and we have the the customers that we have. First, they are loyal, and second, I think they are quite satisfied with us because we never lost customer. I think we have one exception all, all along those eighteen years. We we didn't lost customers. We just get more confidence. And one of the things that we have each year is what we call the user groups, where we bring all our customers. And they are the ones running the show, so they present themselves to themselves. And then this is a guarantee that we are stable and comfortable, that we did a good thing during the year because they are the ones presenting. And yeah. uh, if they are bad, they will kind of uh, destroy the reputation of the company. If they are good, they are the sellers of the company. And so there's, there's I think, it's the, the level of things that you reach in relation with customers size of the company and the other thing is that is very relevant is that um, the people that work with us i will say that probably from the ones that have joined the company and they that they have left the company i'll say that probably around 50 percent they will come back into the company oh really yeah (laughs) which is something that proves that we are doing the things on the proper way yeah, I see. And it's also pretty impressive that you've never lost a customer. So your customers are your fans, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm writing a book at the moment, and it's one of the chapters that I, that I pay attention to is that remarkable software companies create fans, not customers. So what do you believe is, is the secret to create fans? I think it's, it's, uh, it's treating them like we like that we're going to be treated. We, we don't it seems that uh, it seems Martin bullshit, but in fact, this, this is what I personally believe. I won't sell things that I won't buy. So, if we go and convince people to do that, it's because if I was on their shoes, I will buy it also. And if we have that in mind since day one, that means that we are compromising ourselves together with them for something. And if we do that, we become kind of a brothers in a way that uh, if they have a problem we we will have the problem and if we have a problem we have to solve it and that's it it's it's brotherhood i would say 
of course, we are talking on the B2B market, so if it was B2C, we were not able to have that relation with people. But oh, sure. B2B, we have 200 customers, so we still have the, the, the space and the time to talk to the people and have that relationship with customers. Yeah, but still, I mean, I think, I think what you're doing is rather rare in the industry. I mean, I, and I see... A... That, and another thing that we have also is if something, if we, well, we are selling to the customers, so that means they, they have bet on us. And if something fails, and if that's going to be negative in our terms for our accounting numbers, we don't care because we have to solve that thing. We will spend all the money that is needed in order to solve that thing. And that's why I would say that probably we don't lose customers because if we have the commitment, we're going to have the commitment until the end. Strong. Strong. That's also thinking about the long term rather than the short term. And a lot of companies do the opposite. They, they go for the short term, the short, the short term gain. And at the end, you'll suffer from it. So this is wise advice. So what advice would you give, well, executives in the, in the telco industry in terms of what's to come and, and how to start think, think and acting differently? I'm going to say it's not for the telcos. I think it's for the companies. I will say that the most important thing is planning. It's very important, planning. The other thing is to be transparent all across the company. And for that to be transparent, you need to be either planned, but also you need to be with a culture that has no ex- exceptions, because if not, you cannot be transparent. And if we are planning and if you are transparent, that means you could have you could involve all the company into the into the results because you can share almost everything. And if you have that, you have a team. And if you have a team, then I think everything it's easy because all of us you're gonna push for the same thing. Yeah. Then that's my learning. We are quite quite transparent in that way. There are advantages, there are inconvenience, but I will say that in, in our in our view, in our way to do the things, it pays everything. Because in fact, having having those procedures, that planning, that no exception, that transparency gives me all the time then that I need just to be with customers and to be with my colleagues, trying to help them, trying to solve their own. I agree. Thanks. That's uh, good advice. So what's next for you as a person or with the company? What is your biggest aspiration from here? Also, that we want to extend this. So we have we are quite known in this vertical. We are now the number one in the world doing this, and makes sense for us to to look into the second vertical and be again the biggest in the world doing that second vertical until one day that we could then. I will say that after the second vertical and being global on the second vertical, I think then we could be the platform for all the verticals. Yeah. So one, one, one thing that, that makes me curious then, is there anything you would do different from how you became the, the number one in the telco industry? What would it be? What, how would that, that second vertical benefit from that? Well, I will say that on, on business-wise, it's very important to choose a vertical that has a lot more customers because on our vertical, we just have two, three customers per, per country. I know, yeah. yeah. It's very important that look, into a space where you have a lot more customers. Then another learning that we have on businesses, we we have done this without investing. So that means 
all the money that we're investing into the company is the money that we got at the end of each year. So we we gain the money, we invest in the company, we invest. So that means it takes time. So yeah. probably we could speed up this by having funds from investors. That means open the company into other into other investors. That could be another another learning which yeah. which in some of the cases i learned from our other colleagues that says that if you do that then you're gonna have a problem because they are fighting all the time and they spend then all the time managing the the investors and not looking into the market so true but again they are no recipes and the other thing and the final thing was we did this mainly because of the investment with with money that we get from services that we need in order to finance the platform. If we had to go into a vertical, or the vertical, I will say that instead of having ourselves do the services, I would prefer to have partners to do the, the integration and we would be just the one selling the software and nothing more than that. That's ultimately scalable, exactly. That's it. So where can people go to find out more about we do and to, to say hi to you? Well, they can come to Portugal first. <laughs> it's a nice country. It's a sunny it country. And Lisbon now is one of the most fashion cities in the world. So and they are open. They just need to send me an email or whatever. So the company is quite spread. So we have offices in 10 countries. So they can go to, to those countries too. We also, we are present in all the digital channels. So we have on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, website. And then we have also newsletters that we send to a huge community of people. So yeah. you need to ask us to, to be there. What is your website address? It's wedotechnologies.com. Okay. And if you want to challenge us for new verticals and if we have ideas for that, we are quite open because we're looking for partners. Very good. Well, let's, uh, let's see what comes back on that particular question. So this was really interesting. Thank you very much for your time and insights. It's a pleasure. The pleasure was fully on my side. And for everybody listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Rui Paiva, CEO of WeDo Technologies. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News. 
I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.